listening to Life in Limbo, a podcast about building a life you love on the foundation of what's most important to you. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and each week I'll be chatting with an interesting person or sharing my own reflections on how we can stay connected to our personal values, measure what matters most to us, listen to our own voices, and build a life we love. Today I'm talking to Sarah Von Bargen about how we can be more specific and intentional about how we spend our time, money, and energy. Let's go. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm such a huge fan of yours. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a treat to chat with you. Um, When I was getting ready for the episode, I was looking back through all of my blog link roundup posts, Mm -hmm. trying to see, I did a search for your name. Like how many times have I linked to Sarah Von Bargen's blog? It's really hilarious, actually. It's like hysterical. <laughs> How many times? I like basically oh. post. It's like a repost. Um, oh my gosh! Thank you. But one thing I was so struck by was like how many different topics and ideas you've covered over the years, but from such a thoughtful and like such a unique perspective every time. But I noticed that you've recently sort of honed in on a couple major topics that you seem really excited to teach on. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if maybe you could like introduce yourself a little bit and talk about what those topics are that you're so lit up by right now. Sure. Absolutely. So my name is Sarah Von Bargan. Um, I have been writing professionally for almost 20 years. Um, and I've been blogging for 10, which in the internet world is just like, I'm an absolute dinosaur, <laughs> which is, which is fine, which is awesome. Um, and my elevator pitch is that I help people spend their time, money, and energy on purpose. Mm. And sometimes that is talking about personal finance in a really sort of accessible, non-dry, non-overwhelming way. Sometimes that's talking about making for sure that you are spending your time in a way that brings you joy. Sometimes it's about goal setting or creating habits. Um, Sometimes it's about like figuring out how to stop wasting food so you don't spend $1,500 a year on food that you don't eat, which as a depressing side note is how much the average American spends on food they don't eat. Right. I believe it. It's crazy. I hadn't heard that elevator line before, but it's such a great way to sum up what you do. Um, I think the way that I, well, I started reading your blog many, many, many years ago. So I've been along for the journey, but um, (laughs) when you first started doing the money and happy Facebook group, so if anybody Mm -hmm. who's listening is not a part of it, highly recommend you have such an engaged community there. And I think it's so interesting. Every time I go on, I learn something new. I always feel like I'm going to be friends with all the people that are on there. Yeah, they're so so lovely. So smart and so interesting and so thoughtful. And I think that's really a testament to the type of advice that you give, which is just such an approachable, yeah, such an approachable um, style and also is coming at things from such a new perspective than what we usually hear about in the, especially the financial space. I think that's why I really was like, oh my gosh, this woman knows her stuff. Um, so yeah, like so maybe talk a little bit about what are those tenets, like those central beliefs you have around money mm-hmm. or um, habits maybe um, that sort of are so different from what we normally hear in the financial space. Sure. Um, well, I would say um, in my experience, a lot of personal finance is um, a extremely dry, extremely yeah. dry, dry and immediately overwhelming. And it's also centered it's very often one size fits all. And it really fails to consider that we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different preferences. We all have different earning and spending situations. um, And we all have different earning goals. 
Um, and something else that I think is really important that I'm super passionate about is making your habits align with your values and your happiness, mm -hmm. which looks incredibly different for most people. Um, because like not every latte, not every throw pillow is created equal. <laughs> like the $5 that you spend on the latte that you like bought on Saturday at the independent coffee shop that's like impeccably decorated where you like sat and caught up with your best friend. Like that $5 is, is different than the $5 that you spend, you know, at the drive-through at the <laughs> coffee shop that you like kind of feel bad about their like political values. It's, <laughs> it's burnt. It doesn't actually taste that good. And you drink it while you like sit in traffic on your way to work. And they both cost $5, but those $5 are different. And I think that that, that's not something that's addressed in 99% of personal finance. And the experiences that I have had personally is that, and this is, I don't know if this is a, controvers a controversial stance, but you probably don't need to make as much money as you think to mm. have the life that you want to have. Mm -hmm. The things that make you happy and the life that you want is probably available to you at a lower price point than you would expect. The amount of money, I can't speak to Canadians, but the amount of <laughs> money that US citizens spend on shit they don't need that adds nothing to their life is staggering. And the reality of living with debt, the emotional and psychological impact of living with debt, especially credit card debt is crippling. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many studies about how it affects your mental health to have debt. And so a lot of the stuff that we talk about in my money courses, it's not, it's not about manifesting more money. It's not about clipping coupons. It's about changing the way you think about what, being really clear about what makes you happy and then figuring out what purchases make you happy and then changing your behavior. It's sort of like Marie Kondo, but for money. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. the thing that you bring is exactly what you're just saying about the specificity. Like there's so much mm -hmm. in your work that is about being really, really, really specific. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the, you once shared an example that really hit home for me about how, when people say, what makes you happy? Oh, spending time with my friends. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, spending time with your friends could be like a $60 dinner. Yeah. It could be like getting a latte with somebody. And yes. those are completely different. And so we have to be mm -hmm. clear on that. Um, how do you encourage people to get more specific? Is it just like telling them like those? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that something, and this seems incredibly basic, but I swear to God it works, is honestly, it just starts by noticing when you're really happy. I literally have a notes a notes document in my phone. Yeah. And when I notice that I'm unusually happy, I look around and figure out like what's going on with that. Um, and so I have, well, I mean, listeners, you can't see this, but we're on video. <laughs> I literally have, I have my things that makes me happy list next yeah. to my desk. Yeah. And there are things like watching TV in a group that costs $0. Zero. Having a good pedicure. That's like $35. Mm-hmm. Wearing things that are well-made. Um, if you're listening, I don't know if you know this, but 90% of what I own is secondhand for a variety of, for environmental reasons. You can, you can buy real, and most of the stuff that I own is brand name that I got for $8 yeah. at Goodwill. Yeah. So these are all things that make me happy. And because I figured that out, now when I'm feeling sad, instead of like going on anthropology.com or wandering around Target, I can literally look at this 
and then go do something that's on this list. Right. You're meeting your deeper needs instead of like the transient wants that you see yes. somewhere. You're like, oh, I need something to just make me feel better about my yes. life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, and I always want to sort of be clear, like, this is not about shaming anyone who has right. expensive tastes. Like, I spend five figures on travel every year. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like to stay in like unsafe, ugly motels. Like this is, there's zero shame attached to how much you spend. It's just about really figuring out what makes you happy and making for sure that you're spending aligns with that. Mm -hmm. And also if you are not in a position, which, you know, a lot of people aren't through no fault of their own. If you're not in a position to like, stay at the super fancy hotel or to go out to eat constantly. Um, we work on figuring out, we have a pretty specific, there's a pretty specific process that I teach about how to figure out how to feel the way you want to feel at, at a lower price point. Mm -hmm. So an example that I always share is one of the things that I love doing is, or I rather I used to love doing is meeting fellow self-employed girlfriends um, for like midday, midweek cocktails in this very bougie area of Minneapolis. <laughs> um, and so when I added in like parking, two or three cocktails, apps, tip, that's easily somewhere between 50 and $70. Right. Um, and when I really sort of unpacked that and figured out like, so what feeling am I chasing? Like, mm -hmm. what am I trying to accomplish when I, when I do this? Yeah. It was honestly about I love, I love feeling smug about my life choices and I love having, a, it, it feels really fun and joyful to me to do something during a time of day or time of week with that is not accessible mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is I can, I can have that feeling by attending a midday matinee at the second run theater, two blocks from my house, which costs literally $2. <laughs> so I can have the feeling I want to have for $2 instead of 70, yeah. which is, that, that's, that's a lot. That's a big difference. That's $68 that I get to keep. Yeah. Right. Without sacrificing really anything, but without yeah. being specific about it, I think we could fall into the trap of thinking like, oh, I need to deprive myself of yeah. that experience because it costs 70, 70 bucks a pop. Like, yeah, I, I just need to give that up. But I love yeah. that you're encouraging people to be more creative. Don't give up mm -hmm. the underlying feeling, but find a different way to yeah. get to it. Mm -hmm. And I also think one thing that's so cool about, um, your, the way you live is that you always put on fun things on your to-do list. Every oh day. yes. Every day oh, I put a fun thing on into this. Yeah. Because I am a, I'm a pretty type A personality. <laughs> um, and if I don't put something fun on my to-do list, I will just work myself down to like a sad little nubbin. Um, and so I, I put it on my to-do list. I also put it in my Google calendar if, if it's, uh, and I, you might've seen me talk about this on Instagram. It sounds silly, but I swear to God, if you use emojis in your Google calendar, it makes everything oh, so much more fun. It I is wonderful. It is so fun to look at your Google calendar and see like coffee cup two like two bunnies dancing, you know, two <laughs> bunny ladies dancing a cake. And even if it's just like you have a doctor's appointment, but you know, having a little doctor emoji just makes it slightly less awful. I'm going to do that. It's so fun. I, I should credit Kara Haupt um, gave me that idea. So if you guys don't follow. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. It's the best. Um, yeah. I, also going back to what you were saying about the feeling smug about your life choices. I feel like this is mm -hmm. another place that you've really inspired me um, to be specific, not just in how we spend our money, but also you talk a lot about defining what success looks like for you. Mm -hmm. um, 
in a really specific way, I feel like that's so important. And I would like yeah. for you to share more about what your definition of success is and why it's important for us to have one that's unique yeah. to us. Yeah, absolutely. So my personal definition of success, uh, well, I can tell you like what my previous definition of success was, and I'm mm -hmm. sort of in the process of deciding mm. if I need to change it because I've mm. reached all of it, like I've accomplished all of it. So I'm sort of going through the process of thinking like, do I want to change my personal definition of success or am I here now? Um, but so my previous personal de definition of success was if I wanted to shop at Whole Foods, I could. Like I don't because why waste money? <laughs> but like I could, I could yeah. if I wanted to. Right. And if, you know, I'm running late and that's the closest grocery store, I can go there without feeling terrible. So I could shop at Whole Foods if I wanted to. Um, I can get regular massages. Mm. Um, I have clothes that I think are beautiful. Um, I have a car that is not embarrassing. Like I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm, it doesn't matter how much money I ever make. I would never drive like a Mercedes or a Jag or something. Right. But I, I have like a, a nice Prius, you Great. know, like I'm not embarrassed about it. Like I could drop it at the, at the ballet and not be like, Oh God. Um, and I can travel. I spend my time how I want to. I only work with clients that I want to. I don't have any nightmare clients. Um, and if I am traveling to a city where my, where I have a friend who lives there, if I'm staying with them, it's because I want to stay with them, mm. not because otherwise the trip would be unaffordable. Mm. Those are my personal definitions. I also, um, we are in the process of saving for our dream home and our dream neighborhood. It might, it might end up being one or the other. Cause honestly, <laughs> like dream home in the dream neighborhood is very expensive. Um, but so I think I would also add to that list, um, owning a home in one of three neighborhoods that, that we really like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. How did you come to the fact that you needed to have a definition that was different just for you? Because I think like, again, I'm a pretty type A person. Yeah. Um, I was, I've always been, you know, like on the honor roll and, you know, <laughs> while I'm doing an internship, like I am the personality type who burns out, who like chases gold stars for the sake of gold stars, you know, who got a master's degree because that's what everybody else was doing. Mm -hmm. So I have been burned enough times by following other people's definition of success. Mm -hmm. Um, that I sort of had to step back and be like, maybe, maybe spending $18,000 on a master's degree I don't use. I mean, I will say, I mean, I do use it um, because I, it's at, I, so I have my master's degree in applied linguistics and I, we learned a lot about um, how you, how you learn through language and the sort of language that, that helps you learn, which I actually use that information a lot in my courses that I teach. But I certainly, that was not my plan. I mean, I was mostly like, I'm not at school. Everybody else is in graduate school. I'll go. That Don't go to graduate school for that reason. Right, right. Um, so I guess I had enough, I, I made some very expensive mistakes following other people's ideas or what I perceived to be other people's ideas of success um, that sort of stopped me in my tracks to like, maybe maybe we need to reassess this yeah. because what what works for other people doesn't work for for any of us just because like again this is not to say that like you can't have a giant house in the suburb or you know that you're not allowed to drive a mercedes it's not to say that but i would imagine that like none of us our our emotional boxes are not checked by the same thing 
Like some people are going to be fulfilled by a Mercedes. Not 100% of the population is going to be fulfilled by a Mercedes. So I think it's really worth doing the the internal work to actually figure out what makes you happy and what feels successful because otherwise you're going to spend years of your life and tens of thousands of dollars pursuing stuff that feels boring and terrible and stifling once you get it right because it's just that one size fits all approach yeah Um, and this ties in really nicely to what is probably the most personally relevant personally resonant concept you've ever shared um which is the concept of the authenticity tax I remember when I first started reading, when I first read that post, it was like, it changed the way I saw my life choices. It changed the way I showed up in my life because I think just having something like a concept, a label that would allow me to remember, oh yeah, oh yeah, the reason I'm not getting validation from the rest of the world on this. So can you talk a little bit about what the authenticity tax is and how, like some of the experiences that led you to to know (laughs) yes yeah so the authenticity tax is the price that you pay for being um true to yourself and your goals um and we've all if you have ever done anything that varied in any way from societal expectations you have paid the authenticity tax um so i moved abroad for seven years i didn't get married till i was 36 i married a guy who was divorced and has two kids Mm. um I quit being a teacher and started, uh, you know, getting paid to be on the internet. (laughs) Like there are so many things that I have done that I have paid the authenticity tax for. Like there was, um, I had been living in Taiwan. I, I was home for a month and I was at a big party with a group of friends and, you know, I was going back to Taiwan. Everybody knew I was going back to Taiwan and my friend's husband a few beers in said loudly across the bonfire to me, aren't you afraid that if you keep moving around, you're never going to find a nice guy. Like I had somebody, uh, I had a a relative at a holiday dinner ask me what I was running from. And I know, and I know that what these people were really saying is like the life choices I've made have made me very happy because I care about you, I imagine they would make you happy as well. And I'm concerned that you're not going to be happy. I know that that's what really, that's what was really going on, but it didn't feel like that at the time. Um, But yeah, so like there are, and there are, I see it like my husband um, is a, is a climatologist. He has his PhD. He works for the state. There are plenty of, you know, he pays the authenticity tax for that. Um, my stepsons both have long hair and go to charter schools and like love playing heavy metal. They pay the authenticity tax all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we as a family are very comfortable with that, but I think it's also important to know that that's what's going on. Like, it's not that the people who are sort of pushing back, it's not that they don't love you or care about you. It's just that the way that you're living your life And the other thing as a side note is that a lot of people feel like we're living our lives at them. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, just because I lived abroad for seven years, it doesn't mean that I think that everybody has to do that, that you're boring if you don't do that. I I don't care. Like my life, I'm not making my life choices at you. Like my life choices are not a commentary on yours and vice versa, but it doesn't feel like that to everybody. Yeah, totally. I, I think it's so important that we know that that's what's happening in the form of these comments or in the form of this like misunderstanding or lack of celebration of the things that we choose. Because I think otherwise we're going to think, oh, I shouldn't do it. 
You know, yes. like I only get validation when I fit into the mold. I only get yeah. sort of the compliments when I have a boyfriend to bring home or yes. um, get a, a real job. <laughs> My dad yes. say, yeah. I don't have a real job, right? Um, yeah. So if we, if we don't have this concept in our minds, I think it's so easy for us to be like, oh, maybe I should change tasks. Yeah. Um, yes. But when we do realize that that's what's happening, it's like, A, those people might be threatened by yeah. the fact that we are living in our truth. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but B, like the alternative is so much worse. Oh my God. It's terrible. And the thing is even like making traditional life choices or making the life choices that people expect of you, A, if if it's not the right life choice for you, you're going to feel terrible. And B, it's no guarantee that those people are going to be like, oh, you're so great for like, it's so great that you married that mediocre partner. It's so (laughs) great that you have, that you're working that job with benefits that you hate. It's so great that you had those 2.5 kids that you were honestly pretty on the fence about, like, (laughs) like making choices that, you know, make people comfortable. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to praise you for it. It just means that they might not say mean things. Right. A different kind of tax maybe. Yeah. I think it's it's just, it's such a genius concept and it's like, thank you. There are things that are guaranteed life and taxes are one of them. Um, Yes. And this kind of tax is no, no exception. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I just, yeah. Thank you for that. As like, Oh gosh, absolutely. And I think that it's also important to know that like people are going to judge you no matter what you do. So you might as well just do what you want. Like, even if you made extremely traditional life choices, you probably have friends who are sort of outside of the norm who are going to be like, God, she's so boring. Right. You know? So like, no matter what you do, somebody's going to talk shit about you. So (laughs) you might as well just do what you want. Yeah. Or the thing that's right for you. Right. And yeah, I think it's so, it's so key. Um, all of it sort of all of the work that you do and all these concepts they sort of come back to me around this idea of like leading from a place of intention instead of a place of reaction to mm-hmm. whatever is expected of us or what we hear around us um and you seem like somebody who's like so tapped into your own values and your own mm-hmm. intentions of how you want to live mm-hmm. but i'm just curious if there are ways that you stay connected to that because our world is very noisy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People's opinions are very, very loud. And like, what allows you to, um, maybe it's just having the concept of the authenticity tax, but like, are there practices or things you do Mm -hmm. that allow you, um, I even think about some of the stuff you talk about around Christmas time and you're like, you can decide that you don't want to give as many gifts or you want to do a different kind of gift. But that's hard. Like what, what lets you sort of stay in that and, and make those choices? That's a very good question. Well, I would say to start off, I'm very fortunate to have been raised by two parents who basically like my mom, my mom says that I was raised by a benign neglect. I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's accurate, but you know, like they never hassled me when I wore weird stuff. They never hassled me when I had a weirdo boyfriend. Like they didn't try and, you know, like when I got an English major, they weren't like, you need to get an econ major. Mm. So I've, I've always like the adults in my life have always trusted me to make my own decisions. Hmm. Um, so that is certainly not, you know, we're not all lucky enough to, to come from that background. Right. Um, I would say also sort of in terms of trusting myself and self-confidence is that honestly, like I've done a lot of hard stuff and I've done a lot of it on my own. Like I've been to 35 countries and of those 35 countries, probably like 25 of them I've traveled to by myself. And a lot of them were developing countries. Um, I decided I wanted to get a master's degree in a country I'd never been to. And then I just figured out how to do it, how to do it. And then I did it. Um, and I feel like with each difficult thing that you do, 
you develop confidence in yourself. And even when it fails, like even when you miss the boat to that island, like whatever, you sleep on the fair, you sleep on the floor of the ferry, you know, <laughs> place and it's fine. Like even when you fail, you realize like, I can get through this. I'm capable. I trust myself. Mm. Um, so I think having done a lot of sort of weird, hard things on my own, um, really gave me a lot of trust in myself. Um, and also like, I, I have a pretty good knowledge of who I am and what I'm about. Like, I know that I'm an introvert. Like I don't want to work in a co-working space. Like accountability partners kind of stress me out. <laughs> like I like working from home by myself. Um, so I know myself enough to know what works for me. And I'm also pretty intentional about the TV shows that I watch, the magazines that I read, who I follow on Instagram. And I'm very aware of when I, um, am being in, when I find myself being influenced or for lack of a better word, triggered. Um, and then I just separate myself from whatever that thing is. Like I was, some, I think I was at a, I was at an Airbnb and they had like this beautiful spread of, of lady magazines on the coffee table. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm so excited. And I started reading, I think it was in style and like uh -huh. five pages in, I was like, I feel like shit. I feel old. I feel poor. I, I like, I need to get fillers. I need to buy new makeup. <laughs> I literally like these, and I am not somebody with like super low self-esteem. Right. right. So I noticed that and I was like, uh, absolutely not. Right. And I just closed it and I, and I put it back on the table. Like there are really lovely people who are in real life friends of mine, um, who I've had to mute on Instagram because through no fault of their own, like, you know, share the filtered version of your life, talk about your seven figure launches. I can't handle that. So I've had to mute them mm -hmm. and it's not because I don't love them or want them to have good things. It's because that you know, I have an emotional reaction to that. Mm -hmm. I very specifically stay away from TV shows that make me feel less than. So I, I'm very conscious about my sort of uh, mental diet, my environmental diet. Yeah. I feel like that's mm -hmm. so key. I remember you talking about that once with, um, was it like friends with college, fr friends from college? Oh yes. Yes. And I was like, I'm not watching that show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it, it, yes, because it was one of the few shows where like, people, they're like exactly my age on the show. Okay. Um, but of course they're professional actors and actresses. Right. So it, yeah, like their arms are like, you know, all skinny <laughs> at the top with like visible bicep and you know, they don't have any, you know, they just look amazing. Yeah. And also cause it's a TV show, they all live in New York and they're like publicists and lawyers and stuff. Yeah. And so to see somebody who's supposed to be like, have literally graduated from college the same year and to see where they are in their life. I was just like, I, this makes me feel bad. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important. I, I loved, um, you shared recently about like changing what comes up on your explore page. And I was like, yes, so smart to, to be more specific about what you're letting in. And mm -hmm. also just, um, what you mentioned earlier about having done hard things. I feel like as somebody who's tried to do hard things myself, I think you're so on the nose with that because, um, it just makes people's voices matter a little bit less. Because yeah. your own voice has guided you through so many things yeah. that other people's opinions are sort of just a little quieter because you're like, yes. I got this. I've done yes. this before. Oh my gosh, yes. I, um, an ex-boyfriend of mine, he thought it was like so funny and audacious because once I said something like, uh, my opinion matters to me more than anybody else's. And he thought that was so like 
oh, like he was like, oh my God, you're such a bitch. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not. That's how everybody should feel yeah. about it. Like, I don't care if you don't think this dress is cute. I think it's cute. Right. I don't care if you think that this, like, I get told all the time that I run my online business incorrectly. Oh yeah. Oh what my gosh. About that? Yes. I get told constantly, I need to raise my prices. I need to like engage in X marketing practice. Um, I would say almost on a weekly basis, somebody really? tells me that. Yes. Someone like reaches out to you specifically? A lot of, lot of DMs, a lot of <gasps> private DMs being like, no. yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I totally understand. Like, I could even tell you, like, I can tell you why they believe that. And I can tell you why I disagree. Yeah. And I understand, like, I understand. I, I get it for like, intellectually, I understand why they're saying that, but it's simply, I simply don't care. And also as a side note, like, I make a very comfortable living. Right. Like, I don't need to earn seven figures to, to have the life that I want. Right. And I want my work to be accessible to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And well, that's I think, why I price it the way I do. Right. And you had sort of made a, a stand about that a year ago. I don't know how long ago mm -hmm. it would have been where you wrote a blog post about why you were shifting the way you did things in your business. And I felt like it was so refreshing because again, with this one size fits all theme, it feels like all of these online business people are just like, well, first of all, it feels like they're just teaching business owners how to teach business. Oh my God. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> um, it's essentially just an MLM. Yeah. So that drives me bananas, but also, um, that it just assumes like you're saying that everybody wants the same things. Everybody mm -hmm. wants the same amount of money. More yeah. money is always better. There's never enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I just loved that you were like taking a different perspective and also really centering the way you did your business around what would serve your customers better. Yes. Like, yes. Oh my gosh. And there's, um, if anybody listening does not read Paul Jarvis, mm. his newsletters are like, I'm only, I think I've subscribed to like maybe two newsletters and Paul's is one of them. And so they're good. the only ones that I open. Like he and Jamie Varon are like the two newsletters Ooh, I'm subscribed to and open. She's wonderful. V-A-R-O-N. Mm -hmm. um, but so one thing that Paul talked about, and I think is so important is there's this narrative about quote unquote, charge what you're worth. Um, your worth as a human being has nothing to do with how much money you earn or how much you charge for a product. Yeah. You charge what the market can handle. Yeah. And also as a side note, and I quote the statistic constantly. If, any, if you've ever heard me on other podcasts, you're rolling your eyes right now. <laughs> the average household income in the United States is $54,000. Right. Household, not personal. Household income is $54,000. The average um, American has $6,000 worth of credit card debt. And 40% um, of middle-class Americans could not weather a $400 unexpected bill. Mm. So I think that it is uh, not particularly ethical. Uh, like if I'm teaching people how to manage their money, I don't think anybody in that situation really has any business buying a $1,500 online course. Right. Like if you have $6,000 with the credit card debt, I mean like don't, don't like go don't check out, go check out like uh, your money or your life from the library. Yeah. That's why I, so I price my things at a point where, you know, Bank Boost is a live course. It costs $57. When I open it on May 6th, it will cost $57. That is a price point that is not going to like, that's not going to ruin you. Right. Um, so I, I really think about like what, what people can afford. Um, and I think the other thing that people, online business owners don't really think about is it is a lot easier to, to sell a $57 product than it is to sell a $1,500 product. That's true. Yeah. Like I, like I barely need a launch strategy. 
Right. I, I just say like, hey, Bank Boost is open now, and then it sells out in three days. Right. Like, I don't need a funnel. I don't need a webinar. I don't need Facebook ads. I have a bunch of people who know that I deliver on what I talk about and what I teach about, and they can buy it knowing that they're not going to go broke having purchased it. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, the pricing is one thing, but also you talk about how, is it 90%? 97% of online, of, of online courses are not, self-paced online courses only have a 3% completion rate. Right. When I read that, I was like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's bananas. Like, so all of these people who are trying to sell you a $1,500 self-paced course about marketing funnels, there is a 97% chance that you are not going to complete that course that they're selling you. And I think like, I don't know if it's, I mean, it's a Googleable statistic, but I don't know if these online course creators are aware of that statistic, but it seems incredibly unethical yeah. to create a product that is going to fail 97% of the people who buy it. Right. Like I cannot imagine a world in which somebody tries to sell a blender that doesn't work 97%. <laughs> Like that's not, that's ridiculous. Like any, any company who tried to do that, like would be bankrupt and, and like contacted by the Better Business Bureau in like three days. Right. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. Well, you're trying to help people ostensibly with what mm -hmm. you're teaching them. And yes. if you know that 97% of the people you're trying to help are not going to get the results yes. that you want, it's sort of like, it's, then it's all about you. It's like, what, yes. what's, what's easier for you to do rather than what's actually going to help people. Yes. Um, and, and I have a big and, problem with that. Yes. And I would also say that like, if I, and I mean, I have certainly bought self-paced online courses that yes. I have not completed and I'm never going to tell you the name of any of them. Right. I'm never going to talk about them because yeah. I'm in because a, I don't know if they work or not because I haven't finished them and B I'm embarrassed that I spent money on something that I didn't use. Mm -hmm. But if somebody buys bank boost for $57 and brings in three grand, yeah. like the people who use bank boost are like voracious supporters yes. of it. <laughs> like I don't like, they ask me if they can be affiliates. Like I cannot tell you how many times, like every time I run it, there are multiple like mother daughter sets and like mm. friend sets and people email and like, they ask me like, when's the next time you're running it? Because it works and it's affordable. Right. I have never done that for an online course that I didn't complete because I don't even know if it works and I'm embarrassed that I spent money on it. Yeah. And you're centering them and like what they need. Like you're, yes. you're realizing, oh, these people do need a little bit of accountability. We all mm -hmm. kind of do. Yes, so of course. Can I just give them that? Like it will take yeah. you a little bit of extra time, but can I just give them that and then look at how much better the results are? So Oh my gosh, yes. And and also part. like I mean, it I'm in the Facebook I'm in the the Bank Boost Facebook like maybe five, 10 minutes a day, giving people individualized feedback, you know, liking posts. We do Facebook lives. I think there are three Facebook lives. And I feel like if you, if you can take people's money and you can't be bothered to like right. spend like four hours over the course of a month with them, like right. what? Right. Yeah. It's such a problem in the industry. It's, it's yeah. And so anyway, I think it's very refreshing. It's very good. I hope that it catches on with more people. Um, yeah, Cause too. like you're saying, not only is it unethical to do it the other way, it also is smarter to do it your way from like a yes. perspective. Yes. Every perspective that there is. Yes. For like the selfish desire to just have passive income coming into your life. That's the yes. only perspective that it doesn't work. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's super, super important super important. So I think it's really great that you're doing that. Um, I have another question that's like a little bit, 
broad mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll just see what comes up for you. Okay. I, I told a friend about it and she was like, just ask it. And I was like, I um, but you're just such an original thinker. Like I think oh. so many of, yeah, just so many of your concepts are so creative and interesting. And mm-hmm. I know, and you always have these interesting metaphors and ways of framing things. I know you do your writing retreats, but my understanding is that when you go to the writing retreat, you already have the like skeleton yeah. post already. So yeah. my question is, Sarah Von Bargain, how do you get <laughs> such amazing ideas? Or maybe oh. a better question is, how do you make space for all the ideas that come to you? Is it through conversations? Oh is it through certain habits you have? But how? That's a really good question. How? Well, <laughs> that's a very good question. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily, because, you know, we all live inside our own brains, right? And right. we all think that the way we think is normal. And you are not the first person <laughs> to be like, your brain is not the same as my brain. <laughs> um, so I would say sort of three things. One is that I work really hard to read outside of my um, realm. So like, I will literally read like a woodworking magazine or like a home improvement magazine. Like I don't just read the same stuff all the time. Like I try to read nonfiction. That's not just like sociology and psychology, like mm-hmm. totally read outside of my discipline. Um, because I mean, sometimes it helps me like draw parallels or come up with an interesting metaphor or I just feel like it's good for my brain. It just feels mm-hmm. good in my brain is mm-hmm. the only way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I so that. I would say I read, I read outside of sort of my discipline. Um, I try to not like to have time every day when I am not like receiving like input or information. So like a lot of times when I drive in the car, I don't have the radio on. Um, when I walk the dog, I'm not listening to podcasts. Um, when I'm cooking, sometimes I listen to podcasts, but sometimes I'm not doing anything because I want to give my brain time to sort of process stuff. Yeah. And I feel like when I'm constantly, when there's constant incoming stuff, um, it's hard. And even this sounds strange, but um, I think even like listening to jazz that doesn't have lyrics or listening to to music that doesn't have lyrics, I feel like that's good for my brain because mm. I'm somebody who like, I will absorb lyrics by osmosis. And, you know, if you ever ride in the car with me, I'm singing along to every song without even realizing it. So I think it's, it's good for me to have time when there's no input. There is just my brain doing stuff. The other thing that I recently realized, which honestly made me much more compassionate to everyone else in the world and everyone who has to interact with me (laughs) is I took the Myers-Briggs. Oh yeah. And and I'm an, I, I'm an INTJ, um, which is 2% of the female population. I'm an INFJ. Oh, my husband is the exact opposite of me. <laughs> so, um, but it's so funny because I will occasionally meet other women. I'm like, are you an INTJ? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I thought so. <laughs> um, but so I think just realizing that because I have spent large swaths of my life, like wondering, like, why can't? why can't people see this the way I see it? Mm. Or like the solution seems so obvious to me, like, why can't you get it? Mm. And then feeling like frustrated. And so realizing that 98% of the population does not think the way I think made me a give myself more credit and B just like be more compassionate and patient and realize like, Sarah, you're the odd one out. Right. It's not that they're like, like, failing in some way for not getting it you just literally think differently than 98 percent of the population so i think that realization um was an important one to have for me 
Mm -hmm. And also it gives you more permission, I think, to share those ideas because you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm only, I'm the one that has them. I got to share them with everybody else. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of like both Bank Boost and Habit School, like almost didn't become courses because I was like, this is way too obvious. Like this is going to be like, people are going to like be like, Sarah, it's so condescending that you would think that anybody needs a course about this. And so like, but realizing that 98% of the population does not think the way I do has sort of given me permission to like, whatever thing I think is obvious is not. And even if it seems to me strange that this thought process or this thing has to be broken down into steps. Again, Sarah, 98% of the population's brain work (laughs) differently than yours. So just, just do it because it's very possible that they would appreciate having that thing broken down into steps. Yes, we, we do. We do. We love it. Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, I, wrapping up a little bit, I think just a couple more questions. The, The second last one would be, you know, you're a Sarah Von Bargain to me. Like, who is the Sarah Von Bargain to you? Oh, even, my gosh. Even, like, concepts and ideas. But I think with you, oh. it's, like, it's not just the concepts you share, but also the way you live. I mean, we didn't even touch on the no grocery challenge, but that's oh, something yeah. that I love. Um, but are there people, either, like, big or small, that you follow just based on what they, the way they live their lives that is interesting or inspiring? Oh, that's a very good question. Well, I would say, like, in terms of, in terms of people who, like, like, I can't speak to what their daily lives are like, but people sure. who create things that I'm like, oh, yes, like, I, we get each other. Yeah. Um, so I would say um, the people who, the book, the literally the only financial book that I pretty much ever recommend, recommend to anyone is Your Money or Your Life. Okay. Um, which is basically built around the concept that if you work an hourly job, you're exchanging the hours of your life for money. Mm. And so, you know, that $200 purse that I just bought is worth how many hours of my life. Um, and the people, as far as I know, the, the couple or the, the pair who wrote that, like, I don't know if they ever wrote any other books (laughs) and the woman who wrote it is like 70 now. Yeah. Um, but as far as I can tell, like she lives those values, like, she has an awesome life. She's not, you know, she's not on like CNN money or anything. Like she's just off living her life being awesome. Um, so I would say those people, um, in terms of online stuff, I have a lot of respect for, um, I'm sure we all know Melissa Griffin. Oh yeah. Um, and she recently took a six month hiatus, like completely dropped off. Yeah. She completely dropped off of all social media, like walked away from her company to sort of reassess and like figure out what actually made her happy. And I know now she's back at the helm of the company, but she has talked about how like important it is to have hobbies outside of your business and, you know, like sleep eight hours a night. Yeah. Um, so, which is not something that I think enough sort of online people Mm. see examples of Paul Jarvis Mm. is one of the very few online people who like, he's not trying to grow a team of 12 people. Right. Um, he realizes that your self-worth and how much money you make are not the same, which is again, not a message that we hear a lot in the mm-hmm. online world. Um, I love Anne Lamott, just like oh, yeah. we all do. Um, and what else? I mean, I think just anybody who has made extremely intentional choices about the sort of life that you want to, they want to lead. But sadly, that is not readily apparent, <laughs> from, you know, from, um, from what they're doing. I will say both Jamie Varon and Nicole Antoinette 
-hmm. who are actually best friends. Um, they both do a very, very good job about living their lives in a way that is true to them pretty unapologetically. Like, um, Jamie, she and her husband sold everything and moved to Europe for a year. Oh. Um, Nicole is, um, is right now she's hiking the Pacific Crest Trail and then she's gonna, you know, hashtag van life um, and, you know, live all over America while podcasting. Yeah. Um, so I would say those are my people where I'm like, yes, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the way you live your life and the way you talk about it. So cool. Yeah, I'm gonna follow all of those people. They're, they're all great. They're all great. <laughs> yeah, it's so neat. Um, and then the last question I have for you is just, what are you excited about right now? That can be either oh professionally or personally, your ranch house, whatever it is. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, well, I would say I'm most excited about, I have, so I, I love to travel. I travel all the yeah. time. Um, and I particularly love, A, road trips, mm -hmm. which if anybody cares about environmental impact, it might surprise you to know that road trips are a bajillion times more environmentally friendly than air travel, which seems, it seems yeah. counterintuitive, but um, if I am not careful, even though I'm a vegetarian who buys everything secondhand, if I'm not careful, my carbon footprint is bigger than like everybody's because I fly so much. Right. Um, but so I have a bunch of road trips coming up and, uh, and I'm traveling to, um, there is a website that I love called Livability. This is not wow. sponsored, <laughs> but so Livability, um, they it's encourage people too. to, yeah, tra they want you to travel to and move to small to mid-sized cities. And every year they put out a list of the top 100 cities that are small to mid-sized cities. And so I'm doing um, some road trips to some of those cities because it's just, it's so much fun. And I think that I mean, in Canada and in America too, there's a lot of, you know, there's, they're big countries and there's lots of cultural differences, but I find that when you're in big cities, big cities are not wildly different, you know, right. like is LA that different from, I don't know. Well, okay. LA is its own thing, <laughs> but you know, like generally big cities are not wildly different, but when you get into the smaller cities is where you like, you really notice cultural differences, which is something that's really fun for me. Yeah. So I have, um, several trips to awesome small to mid-sized cities coming up. And then I am also, it's still in the works, but it looks like I'm going to um, Morocco in the UAE, which I'm very excited about um, in September and October. So that should be very fun. Um, I think if the stars align, I'm going to go glamping in the desert like Sex and the City too. So um, watch out on Instagram. <laughs> I will be watching out. Yes. Yeah. I will be watching out for all of your like stars hollow Maybe oh my god i'm so excited about it oh my god i can't even stand it the, like, i'm going church party. uh yes i am going to um i'm going to new hampshire and i imagine i'll be going through connecticut in august so yeah. i will be watching out for gazebos and adorable town squares oh my gosh i love it so much yes um, well sarah you are such an inspiration for me i just have to say that again and i really appreciate you taking the time i know you're so busy you were like on the news this week being famous <laughs> The fact that you took some time to actually chat with me is just, um, it was so special for me. So oh my so gosh, much. my absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Life in Limbo podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at Steph Pellet on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at lifeinlimbo.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.